Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Hello, and welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. So this podcast episode has been, what, Hunter, two years in the making at this point? Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost two years. It's been like a year and 10 months or something like that. It's crazy. Which is, which is incredible. So um, can't believe I've put up with you for that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what we're going to be doing in this session is um, I'm going to be coaching Hunter on the process of him getting ready to apply for jobs. Uh, the interview process, and then also thinking about what type of jobs that you want to go through. So Hunter, catch us up. What's going on in your life right now? Yeah, so uh, I'm a graduating senior from High Point University. Um, If you guys remember, that's where I first met John David and how I got involved with the podcast. Um, I've been doing analytics work for about uh, two years now. So I started out uh, doing a consulting engagement for a client worth over $750 million in yearly revenue. Um, and then from that point on, I went on to launch my own consulting business. And uh, that, that's that gone pretty well so far. Um, and then now I'm looking to uh, potentially expand into uh, some some maybe bigger companies or something like that. Just see where the next step is in my in my career path. Gotcha. So we're catching you. You have what? Three months left before you graduate? Yep, three months. <laughs> gotcha. I can All see right. home base. <laughs> That's true. So, how's the uh, is the senioritis hitting hard right now? A little bit from from maybe the schoolwork perspective, only because I'm so ready to you know get out there and actually start doing the work that I've been doing, been preparing for. 
Well, okay. So I guess we need to update the audience on kind of where this episode is coming from. So over the last two months, we've added um, Ian Clausewitz and Katie Underwood to our, our team at Silvertone. And I've essentially pivoted from Silvertone Analytics as a consulting agency to Silvertone Analytics as a career services company. So Katie has, I think, what she's got nine years of working experience, five years as in an analytics position, and I think two or three as an analytics manager. Yeah. And she's kind of like a foil to me in a lot of ways in that I focus on sales and marketing and much smaller companies to where she's been huge companies, you know, Lincoln Financial, um, and working on the operations supply side. So I'm thinking about expanding and she's thinking about shrinking things down. She brought up a really excellent point for you, Hunter, of if you get your first job at one of these larger companies, you're probably going to have a like on like a, a, a manager who can mentor you opportunities to get training from these big companies. And also, you know, we're not obviously we're not going for like Google because yeah. the tech bubble has popped and there's been a hiring freeze across all the tech industry, but right. that, that um, kind of Google effect, so to speak. So um, the next thing we're going to talk about is you've already gotten an interview at Gartner. Yeah. Um, so if you get one of these big name companies, like as your first job, um, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of your career. And Absolutely. this is something, yeah, we've, we've, we've seen this with uh, Megan Liu. So Megan, I think her first job was at Ernst and Young or one of the big four consulting firms um, and that they just worked her to death for like the first year, year and a half. Then she got another job, but that, that first job for her, like really set the tone for the rest of her career. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited to, to be looking for. Um, I've been looking somewhere in, in the $70,000 range or, or upwards of that. Um, first starting out, I, I think I'm more interested in, like you said, continuing that lifelong learning journey. Mm-hmm. Um, just figuring out where the next step is for me to continue to grow. Um, you know, I've been doing Tableau, Power BI, Excel work um, for pretty much pretty much the whole time. I feel like I'm really proficient in these in these tools, but I feel like there's there's more places that I can go, more things that I can apply my my knowledge of communicating with the C-suite level executives I've been communicating with. Um, and and yeah, you know, I I just would like I would like to see where I can expand out to. Well, I think it would be interesting. Let, let's unpack the trade-off of, so my career path has been, uh, I started off in sales, the hundred percent commission sales work for three years. Like when I was your age, that's what I, I went into a sales job. Mm-hmm. Um, then pivoted into getting an MBA with concentration analytics and then turned my last internship into my first consulting client. And I've never, I've never worked as a W2 analyst other than two internships. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing Katie on board, I'm starting to realize the um, limiting factors of that. So I'm the largest company I've worked with actually was the one that, you know, I handed off to you. So that's, you know, less, less than a billion dollars to where if you work for these massive companies, they have so much money, they have so much data. They also have people who have been working in that space for years. So I think it'll be an interesting kind of juxtaposition of working for me in Silvertone with these smaller clients versus going and working for, these like huge multinational companies. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk about a couple of things you said in there. Like, you know, you said that when you first started your journey um, that you were, you were pretty slowly exposed to, um, you know, sales and marketing and, and the analytics space as a whole. This is something that because I've been able to work at a startup for the first two years of my journey, um, I've kind of been exposed to all of that already. 
in a limited capacity, sure, maybe not right. you know fully fleshed out, but at least exposed to it, so I I know enough to be dangerous. Um, which is what I think is has been your value add for for my for myself, um, is that you've you've kind of op- you as in a mentor capacity, you let me know like, hey, um, this is what I did, uh, this is where I ended up. Here's how you can get to where you want to end up, and that's that's something that you and I have talked about a few times. Yeah, well, and I think having um, well having both Katie and Ian on the team because Ian is working for a sales company as well as an, as an analyst full time. So just expanding out the um, the perspectives. So let me ask you this: Let's say you've worked on um, with that large company, you've worked on operations, you've worked on sales, you've worked on marketing. Which which of those types of projects did you enjoy the most? I gotta I gotta say I enjoyed the the operations side of things most. Um, I, I don't know if that that was just because it was my uh, cl- the closest I was to communicate. I, I shouldn't even say that because I was communicating really closely with with Hugh as well, who was one of the, yeah. one of the clients that we had. Um, but South uh, the the company that the logistics company that we were working for, with um, the operations side of things was really was really cool to examine um, because it, it felt like there was always one more question to ask. Like okay. we got, you know, like we got here, uh, how did we get here? Or, um, you know, we constructed an overtime cost dashboard or stuff like that. So that, that's, in, that's, that's an interesting insight. And I feel like we need to have these, this high level conversation around, you know, where, where do you want to fit within the space? And if, okay, so what I'm hearing now is that you want to work on the supply chain or operation side. If you're working for, so what that tells me is that it needs to be a big company and probably selling a physical product to where, you know, like if you go and work for a company that sells nothing but online courses, the operation side of that is is not going to be as robust as, you know, I mean, we had Sanvita on, she worked for Bayer Pharmaceuticals and was a sales analyst for them. So the operations on an organization like that is going to be huge and give you just a much bigger sandbox to play in, so to speak. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that um, I I've you know I've worked with uh, HR data and 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 I've worked with sales data and I it's not that I don't um, I don't like working with that data. Um, it's just that there's something about operation that's operations that just clicks for me. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I cool. feel like I'm just able to keep elaborating on things. 
All right. So that that kind of gives us a, a data point to start gearing towards like what jobs you want to start applying for. So probably a much larger company. And then, you know, it could manifest as operations analysts, sale um, supply chain analysts, you know, ERP, uh, those different types of jobs. Do you think do you think business analysts is too generic or um, business analysts? Yeah. So I, I, what you could have a business analyst role within the operations department or the supply chain team. Okay. So, and then that's where you would, um, cause you had, you, you had Christine in your, in your call last night when you were doing the technical office hours. Yeah. So, um, she'd be a good person for you to talk to. So she's worked, um, in a marketing analyst role for the last nine months. Mm-hmm. And what she was saying is that her technical acumen hasn't grown that much. So like what she's doing is kind of the same analytics project or same types of analytics projects over and over and over again. But what she's learned so much is, you know, how does Coca-Cola do their ads? She's specifically doing analytics on programmatic ads. So those are huge scale ad campaigns. So like Norwegian Airlines, Coca-Cola. So that first year, you can start to kind of dip your toe in the business side of things and really start to develop that that acumen. Because the projects that you're working on now, I feel like the biggest thing you've learned is the analytics side to where the clients, um, you don't have as much face time as if you were working there full time to where you, you don't get as much exposure to the business use cases. Yeah, I think that's probably a result of the cons- of consulting work as a whole. You know, it's, it's kind of a fast paced uh, line of work and that, you know, you take on a new client. You know, they, they request your services for four to six months and then they're like, you know, thanks for your thanks for your work. Sayonara. Sayonara. We'll let you know how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just kind of how it's been to this point. It'll be interesting to see how much different and, uh, you know, a larger firm or organization will 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 handle that because it'll be, you know, their investment is in me and they'll see my ROI that I produce for them over time. Gotcha. All right. So we've been, I've been neglecting the live chat. So let's, let's pull in some of the chats and then we'll jump into your experience interviewing with Gartner. So Noel says, hi, hello, Noel. Welcome. So Paul is fixed. Happy Friday. Hello and welcome. Um, we got Kamar, Kamar. Welcome. Glad that you're on the call. Um, we got Victor Assad. And then let's see, Paula was asking or saying, uh, she feels like she's watched you catapult. You can't believe that it's only been a two-year evolution. So, Hunter, I will say this. You have come a very, very far away from the kid who showed up with a uh, skateboard and pajamas in my class two years ago. <laughs> high point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm no longer dressing in PJs. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is so funny. And then, interesting. I don't know why we can't see this name, but a LinkedIn user said, uh, nice pivot, John. I'm in sales and making the change as well. Um, very cool. Yeah, it's... My advice, LinkedIn user, I can't see your name, um, is if you're pivoting into the space, leverage, you know, all of the knowledge that you've already developed. So maybe a sales analyst role would be an easy pivot for you. So yeah, Muhammad, welcome. And then Jamie, welcome. All right. So you've already landed an interview at Gartner. Yeah. Tell, tell me, how, well, number one, how did this manifest? How did it go? And then how do you feel about it? Yeah, so so this this manifested from a uh, a recommendation from a person that I had a connection with when I played baseball. Interesting okay. enough, 
which was many, many years ago. Um, but that, that's I, good because it's your it's your network. It's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I didn't even well I didn't even think to reach out to him as as he worked at Gartner because he works in the sales capacity um, for them, not in the analytics space. But uh, my my dad actually was the one that suggested to me. He was like, "Hey, maybe you should just call him and get some more information from him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just ask him about the company. Just what what do they do? How does he like his job? Stuff like that." And I I had a fifteen minute phone phone call with him, and uh, at the end of that fifteen minute call, he recommended me for the position. Um, oh, that's so awesome. yeah, yeah. I, and so I was able to I was able to. Uh, through him reach out to or apply for the position and then from that point i reached out to the recruiter for that position and i asked them hey listen um i just sent out my application is there any shot i could get a 30 minute phone call with you on monday just so we can review the role and you can see if i'm a quality candidate for you um and i was able to get the that's how i was able to get the interview uh, for that um i think i think the interview went well um i Ultimately, I did hear back from them. I didn't get the position, um, but they said it's because they were looking for somebody who was looking to work immediately, um, and I'm not able to work immediately. Oh, okay, interesting. So yeah. that, that's that's kind of the trade-off here is that um, you know we're starting three months early before you could actually start full time. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it might take because what we're going to do is get you to start you know scaling up how many jobs you're applying for. Um, Ian's going to help you with, um, building out your, um, LinkedIn presence. Cause you've, you just broke what a thousand followers on LinkedIn at this point. I'm actually at 1500. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. It is a, astounding to me how effective Ian has been. Cause oh, I think yeah. we've had cumulative over the last four weeks, our students have gained, our eight students have gained what? 12,000 additional LinkedIn connections and 14, 14 recruiters have reached out to them because of. Like, like, for example, if I hope Drew's listening, I'll, I'll shout you out. Drew mentioned, like, he, he was posting about one of his um, portfolio projects. And he, he broke down in a post, hey, here's how I went through and cleaned the data. Here are the data quality issues I found. Turns out a hiring manager saw that post the next day, reached out to him for an interview. Wow. So, like, this is the, the level of sophistication. Like, most people just post, like, rinky-dink random things on LinkedIn to where, like, if we can post with intention, I think that this is going to be um, – just another, like, think about it like you have multiple tools. So you can apply, you can network, and you can post on LinkedIn. And it's like a like a trifold approach to, like, breaking into the space. Yeah, you and I a couple of weeks back did some LinkedIn work together where we just reviewed a couple of uh, things true. that I could post about, and we updated my my profile. Um, yeah, we can we can pull up your LinkedIn. Um, actually, that's, that's the next point I have for us to touch on is your LinkedIn and your resume. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So one thing circling back to the Gartner experience, um, what we found with a lot of these name brand companies is that they don't often pay as well. Like this is a very counterintuitive insight that we found because, because, mm-hmm. you know, two cohorts ago, we had two students that were essentially comparable. They had three years of, of analytics experience at um, large companies and one applied for a company that was 72 million and one applied for a name brand insurance company. The person who applied for the much smaller company got a $25,000 higher offer than the, the person to the name brand company. And this is what's interesting about, you know, the, these jobs at like Gartner and these other really name brand companies is that the competition is so much higher. So as, as far as supply and demand, 
there is much more of a supply of people who want to work at Gardner than there are positions. So they can kind of beat you up on price in a lot of situations, especially for entry level. I think as you get more advanced, I think it the the um, when you go into mid to senior, the the herd thins quite a bit, and you have a little bit more negotiating room. But um, like the way it worked with this insurance company is that our student applied, uh, he got the interview. There was probably five five thousand people who applied. They whittled it down to fifty people, flew them all out to their headquarters, and then just cattle called them through the interview process. And I think they hired five of the 50. And then it was a really low offer for this guy's experience. And what was interesting is we encouraged him to negotiate and they said, we're firm on this low price point. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, there's what, 45 other people who are willing to take that job. So I think that's an interesting thing to consider, especially for entry level jobs. Yeah, and and you know it's it's also another thing to consider is is you know uh, how risk averse a person is. Um, right. For my for myself personally, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty I'm a I would say I'm a risk taker uh, more than I am risk averse. Mm-hmm. Um, I and so I wouldn't I it's not uh, as impactful for me to get a job at one of these huge firms for less money as it would be to maybe take a job for. That, that's that's for a smaller company, you know, that we, 10 years down the road, who knows how they're going to be doing, but I might be making a little bit more money now. Uh, the way I see it, I can negotiate my salary up as I grow uh, and and collect this this cumulative knowledge from different industries and kind of combine it into this, this you know, one collected toolbox I can just carry around with me. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. And especially like what we've done and we can pull up your LinkedIn profile here in a second as we've done a really good job already of quantifying the impact of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as if you're doing that along the way, that gives you um, tools to leverage during the negotiation process. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to go I, ahead and pull up your LinkedIn? Yeah, let me, uh, let me go ahead and share it real quick. So I haven't seen your, I don't think I've seen your resume this year. Really? Okay. No. So uh, if those are, those are who are listening. Um, that has not gotten the John David seal of approval yet. The, I think your LinkedIn looks pretty solid though. Yeah. So this is, I just, I'll change the window when we go back to it, but um, hey, let yeah, me here's just my LinkedIn. maximize this. So I can see it better. Awesome. All right. It's really small on my screen. So I got to zoom in a little bit. Um, yeah. So, okay. Taking that insight that we found just earlier in, on in this conversation, you may want to research what specific role you want. Mm-hmm. So business analyst is really vague to yeah. where um, maybe you could say operations analyst or supply chain analyst. Um, it's cool that, um, so for those of you who are going to be listening to this later as a podcast episode, I'm looking at Hunter's profile and we're looking specifically at the um, headline underneath his name. So right now it says Hunter Brown, business analyst dash host of how to get an analyst job podcast. So this is a conversation that me and Katie have had, actually. Um, it's cool that you are hosting the podcast. I don't think that someone who is an analytics manager is going to see that as value additive. Okay. So I think what you're doing there is you're, that's cool. But I think that if you would put maybe um, either the tools or, you know, the specific types of, of projects you've worked on in that headline, Mm-hmm. I think that that would that might catch their eye a little bit more because when recruiters are, are 
or, you know, searching on LinkedIn, that's what, that's what they're going to see is they're going to see your profile, what your profile picture looks great. It's a, I mean, you look young. You might want to take a, a newer photo. When did you take that? Like that was uh, that was uh, sophomore year. Second yeah, sophomore I mean, you year. look like a baby in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you, you you could get that updated, but I mean, you're you're in like a blazer with a collared shirt on. It's very High Point University aesthetic, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I well, you know, most most High Point University students have a tie, but I opted for not wow. the tie. I want everyone. To I didn't know. realize I was on the call with a renegade. Yeah, I want everybody to know that, you know, you can just sit down and have a drink with me. You can just talk to me, you know. All right, I'm very so we, approachable. So we got a question coming in from uh, Jamie Favor. I think I'm saying that right. Um, uh, for the headlines, should it be specific, like healthcare analy- analyst instead of data analyst? Um, I think so. Um, I, I think the more specific you can make it, um, well, I guess there, there's trade-offs to that. To where if you were to just put healthcare analyst, that might open you up to a wider range of jobs. But if it's like, I don't know, clinical research analysts, like of the umbrella of healthcare jobs, it's going to be more specific. So if you know the job that you want, which I think, Jamie, we've talked before, I think you're trying to break into the space. Um, if you know for sure this is absolutely what I want, um, go go specific. Um, but as far as, you know, breaking into the space now, I, it's a toss up. So the general advice that I've given, and it's interesting having, you know, more people on the team, because now we'll have like nuanced conversation and debates. Um, my advice has been the job title that you want, you could put business analyst, data analyst, and then this, the tools. But someone has recently pushed back on me saying that that is a, almost an indicator that you don't currently work in the space, which... I don't know if I necessarily agree to that because we're having a lot of our students who actually let's do this. Hunter, will you pull up Drew Breeze or Drew Zemet's profile? And then let's look at Diane. Let's see what they're doing because, because Drew's doing a, a, a fantastic job. So he put data analysts. So Jamie, to your question, um, he's putting kind of the broad term and then using data to drive business decisions. So that's kind of just like a, a broad tagline right there. But this is working. I mean, Drew has had a whole number of recruiters reach out to him. I think part of that, um, and we, we might be over fixating on just the tagline here. I think the attribution of why he's having so many people reach out to him is that, I mean, Hunter, pull his profile up again. Okay, yeah. Um, he's, he's got like, what, seven, almost 8,000 followers at this point? He's got uh, 7,800 followers. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the quality of the posts that he's making. If you look right. at Drew's posts... They're, they're covering, uh, he's fully covering the work that he's doing. Like he'll make seven page articles talking about like a dashboard that he created and, and the steps that he took. Um, he's just really thorough with his work. And I think people notice good work on LinkedIn. Well, I mean, and I have to say he's him. And I think pull up uh, Diane Greer too, because she's doing a fantastic job. Uh, she, she took kind of the principles that um, Ian Ian um, taught them and then they just ran with it. Cause she's at what? 5,000. She's at 8,900. Oh man. It's so small on my screen. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. And what, what does her tagline say? Uh, Business analysts, data informed analytics. Yeah. So I think what you could do, um, Jamie is 
decide whether, you know, do I want a specific job title? And then that's what I'm going for. And then that should inform your resume, your LinkedIn brand and the jobs that you're applying for. And also the post you're making, or, you know, do I just want to break into the space and I, you know, maybe I have a background in healthcare and I want to just get in. Um, so then you can go kind of broader there. But I think really the biggest um, thing that's going to drive people to your profile is making sure that you're having value additive LinkedIn posts. Cause I think that, we see this all the time where people get really into posting on LinkedIn and it's like, maybe they've got two months of good ideas and then they start just posting like random things and then like selfies and stuff like that. Um, my take on it is I would dial back how much you're posting. Cause then it almost sends like a red flag of like, Oh, this person's on LinkedIn all the time. Why, why is that the case? So, all right, Hunter, let's, let's pull you back up. I think, this is cool. Uh, we haven't done one of these live sessions where we can just like interact with um, students in real time. Yeah. So keep, keep the questions coming. Um, Jamie, that was, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. It was a great question. All right. So scrolling down. Um, well, actually before we scroll down, you are open to work, right? Yeah. Cause I saw oh, yeah. the, the strip. Absolutely. Open to work. So that's, and see this one right here, this depends on if Hunter, you're not currently, I mean, you're working for me, but uh, on a very part-time basis. So I'm not, you're not going to ruffle my feathers. I'm not like, wait, Hunter's working for work. What? <laughs> I got to have a stern conversation with him. Um, so, so it's, it depends on whether, you know, you're in, you care if your employer sees that you're open to work or not. Um, so there are two options there. You can put like that green strip. I think that helps a little bit because, you know, if, and, a recruiter searching for, you know, analyst in High Point, North Carolina, Hunter's profile, they're going to quickly see that, oh, this person's looking for a job. So that that might, you know, be like a little micro optimization there. But um, to play it safe, you can actually toggle on open to opportunities and only recruiters can see that. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a little nuance point there. But keep scrolling down. So let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes here because like your your profile looks so much better now. Yeah. So before before we did the we did the work on this, uh, my about section was really long. It was almost like a thesis, uh, and we we went through. And I, initially, I was kind of branding myself as a graduating student, which is not really where my experience is is at. My experience is at closer to. We'll, we'll talk. I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yeah, we'll talk. Um, that's um, that's the next point of like, where can we dial you in? Because yeah. I, I feel like seventy is low for you. Uh huh. Um, especially because like we're placing analysts at much higher than that who have less experience than you. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's what I was saying. Is is I feel like uh, we we went through and we kind of highlighted exactly what I've been doing in the about section, which is nice. Um, we, and then we quantified it more, which I think this looks, I I, I don't know about you, but this looks really good to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember we did this, what, two Sundays ago and it looks just so much better. Um, went through and quantified, I just clicked see more on all of this. Right. So you have experience as an intern and, and what's cool about, um, what you've posted as your experience, um, so for those of you who are going to be listening to this as a podcast episode, we're in the experience section and he's listed my company, Silvertone Analytics. He's worked there for one year and 10 months. The first role was intern and you were doing kind of menial tasks. Scroll down a little bit so I can see it. So, yeah, so you, you were just essentially answering um, like 
course questions on my Udemy course mm -hmm. for Power BI, Tableau, um, and Excel, which I, honestly, that's really good experience for someone starting out because your job is essentially just go search for answers. So you got to learn the, the interface, you know, inside and out across multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, though, it's not like you're leveraging the tools to drive a business decision or right. impact the business in a bigger way. Right. Then you went. So you were an intern from May 21 to November 21, then jumped into um, an analytics consultant from December 21 through present. And then there, yeah, you started listening out. So you created the analytics infrastructure for 750 million organization in Tableau. That's a huge talking point. And this getting back to, you know, entry level versus mid to senior. I don't think that very many entry level candidates that you're competing with, especially people who are just recent, just graduated college, have any experience like that. So right. you, you may be able to jump the entry level and jump to mid to senior. Um, this is actually kind of a debate that me and Katie have been having because like right now it's like saying that you've worked for two years as an analyst is a little disingenuous. And, you know, she would, in the interview, she would probably ask some clarifying questions around like, well, you know, what was the work volume mm -hmm. to where that, you know, I, I just don't, Hunter, I just don't want you to like go and apply only for senior level jobs and then just get eviscerated. In the interview process. I mean, I, I personally, I think that you have more faith in me when it comes to senior level jobs than I do. Um, I think that I'm closer to a mid-level role at the moment. Um, think, think, yeah. Well, I mean, think about like our the the person that we just placed recently that got a fifty-four thousand dollars pay increase. That's I true. looked I looked up the details of the job. She didn't have the technical skills and she didn't have the business acumen, but they liked her in the interview and they gave her a job for eighty-five thousand. And yeah. you have way more experience than I a do. student that we just placed. I do. That's true. I think another another aspect that maybe is less tangible that is still I think still plays a role is the fact that I am younger. Um, you know, I it, it's hard yeah. to it's hard to distinguish in my generation the difference between good students and bad students because they can all look very similar. Uh, and they also they also they also have Chat GPT too. So yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So so another another thing is like you know all all students are pretty good at social media pretty much pretty much every college student could put together a solid LinkedIn profile if they had to. Um, yeah. But Hunter, what I think that you, I was watching some podcasts and they, and they said something really interesting. They said that identity lags reality by like one to two years. So how you feel about yourself is kind of like it's, it's backdated to where your episode with uh, Marina from Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she doted on you on the episode. She said, Hunter, you've, you're so much better of a communicator. You, you're, you're just sharper. You're more put together. You're more thoughtful. You have things to you know, pull from to where these skills that you're developing on the podcast are one-to-one -one transferable to the interview process. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that it's been a great help for me, especially because uh, – Sometimes it can be a little bit daunting hopping back into interviews after so long not having to. Um, right. And I, I, but it's it's less less of that for me because it feels like I've been uh, pseudo interviewing people on here for a while now. So I kind of, and then I get and then I get other people's perspectives as well. They ask me questions. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny because I remember, you know, six, six, nine months ago when I was like, Hunter, I want you to host some of the, these episodes and you were so scared about it. And now you're like, oh, I can handle this. Yeah. Well, it, it went from like, yeah, but can I, I need to, I need to have like a week to write my ideas down and I need to record the episode and I, you know, all this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, now I've had pretty much two weeks in a row where I've had a one-on-one interview with people who are far more advanced than I am. Um, I think it's just a confidence thing for me. Um, yeah. And see, this is where <laughs> I'm still digesting the inter- interplay between me and Katie. Cause Katie is like, you know, she, I mean, she, she likes to kind of um, be conservative and I'm like, no, you're amazing. Cause I remember while we were building this out, I was like, Hunter, you could get, you know, an 80, $90,000 a year job. And the thing is, I think you could at this point, you probably could land that salary. Now, the downside of that is that you are going to be extremely stressed for three to six months. Yeah. Like trouble. Like it's going to take a hit to your mental health. Yeah. Because you can, you can get these jobs. um, And it's all about how you sell yourself in the interview process. But um, I think the reality is somewhere between me hyping you up and then where Katie's like, you know, um, let's be conservative on this. It's probably like somewhere in the middle there. Uh Uh-huh. But I mean, that's that's what we're we're gonna start testing all these hypotheses because I mean, you've you started applying now, right? Yeah, yeah, I've applied to probably fifty or so positions in the past five or six days. Um, Perfect. I've been trying to make I've been trying to make at least ten a day. Um, I think I think it's good to get my name out there, but I don't want to go overboard um, by doing a bunch of easy applies. I found that easy applies sometimes it's difficult to discern which ones are legitimate and which ones aren't. Um, sometimes they won't get back to you because they just have like thousands of applications and they just don't have, they just don't have the resources to go through all of that. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but I've been trying to, I've been trying to more tailor my, my, uh, my app, uh, my applications to be, well, it's a little bit early yet, it is. you know, like the, the Gartner interview, um, that the timing of that didn't line up right. So right. it's like, let's start kind of building the hopper now because it might be, you know, Christina who was in your lecture last night. I mean, she she was applying for jobs for six weeks. She, I think she applied to 250 jobs in six weeks and then didn't hear anything. It was all discouraged. In week seven, she had two interviews and one offer. So it's yeah. like it, there, there's a lag between like what you put in versus what you get out. Um, yeah, I think it's important to follow up with recruiters as well. Um, even if you don't get a position, you know, like if I had just taken the beating from Gartner, it's like, oh, I didn't get the job. They just must not, they must've just had a better candidate. They didn't like me. Like I didn't even, I would have just been in my own head thinking like maybe I wasn't qualified, but I just reached out. I was like, Hey, what, what was the determining factor? Um, and they would have no problem letting me know that. So, so over the next three months, so, so keep like applying the, I think the goal we've set for our students is 250 applications. Mm Mm-hmm. So apply for 250 jobs, um, post on LinkedIn. So I think we probably need to have Ian on and like, let's build out some, some LinkedIn copy for you. Yeah. Um, Cause like, although, I mean, you've, you've what tripled your LinkedIn following in the last month. In the last month and a half, two months, I went from 500 to uh, a, a 1500 followers. Right. So. And you're not even, I mean, I'll be honest on her. You're not even posting like that regularly. I'm not posting every day. Um, I'm posting probably every once every other day or every three or four days. Um, 
I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's difficult for me. It's, it's kind of like a job um, where it's, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I want to reframe. Like your, your biggest job right now is to get a job, right? Like yeah. that's, that's, yeah, I, I think that's a good frame to think about it because you should be taking this very seriously so that by the time you graduate, let's say you have two or three, two or three offers. So you right. can then leverage them against each other to negotiate, you know, 10, $15,000 more of salary. Yeah. And that yeah. like Hunter, I, I don't know if, if you've thought about it from this lens, but starting your career at $20,000 higher than the rest of the people that you graduate. And it's also, I'm competitive too. Like I want you to make 15, $20,000 in the average high point university student, if I'm being honest, <laughs> which I think is, well, I do too, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I want you to just dunk on all of your coat, like all of your peers. <laughs> uh, but starting at that, that is an anchor point right there. So if you start at $20,000, well, number one, you're going to be working for the next 30 years. So what's 20,000 times 30, that's what, $600,000. That's, that's the difference of a half a million dollars lifetime earnings. Right. But well, it's, it's it also sets you on a trajectory to where you're probably, you know, I mean, I guess it's sink or swim and this is on you to kind of like do the work as you go along. Yeah. But if you start at a really strong job, because I mean, Megan, Megan Lou is a great example that she's got a killer job. And then she got, I think she's gotten a significant pay raise over the last two or three jobs that she switched. Mm -hmm. So like, it's, it's not only that you start higher and you're probably going to be earning quite a bit more than these students, but then you also get on a track where you have an upward trajectory. I was going to say it's even, you know, the first job, uh, if it's f even ten or fifteen thousand dollars uh, higher than average, um, that's that's the next negotiating up to the next level is significantly easier. And the next level, instead of being from sixty to eighty, is from eighty to a hundred, or from eighty to one hundred and ten, or something like that. It's it just it expedites the process for me. Right. Yeah. We have a couple right. of questions, by the way. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah. I think we've hit on, so we've hit on catching up the Gartner experience, your LinkedIn. We missed your resume, which I um, haven't, I have it open. I don't know if you wanted to. Okay. So let's, let's, let's look at your resume. And for those of you who are tuning in live, start asking questions. Cause, and we'll, we're going to finish out the last point that we're going to talk on is starting pulling in your, um your questions. So I see that James asked another question and, um, Manish, Manish, yeah, Manish has got another question, and it looks like Paula's got um, a comment that we can comment on too. So, so leave us some uh, questions that we can pull in the chat to make this a little bit more interactive. Yeah. So, yeah, Hunter, let's see your resume. All righty. Um... And I think we'll probably do an episode with Katie where we'll pull in um, your resume and get her perspective on it. Uh huh. Um, let me see here. All right, it's it looks pretty. Just first perspective, like first take of it, it looks really neat and organized, which is Thanks. good. Um, here, scroll up a little bit more. This is just uh... okay. So you got Hunter Brown, you got your phone number, Gmail, LinkedIn. Where is your portfolio? Um, I've got a link it on here actually. Yeah. Um, so add your one note to make is add your portfolio on there. Add it into that header too. Um, also, okay. um. Are you going to do a Tableau public or are you going to do a Maven analytics portfolio? I was thinking of making a Maven portfolio because I think I that'd be a good idea. I can include my power BI work on there as well. 
Well, so with, with Maven, the, for those of you who listen, they're one of our um, strategic partners. Um, they have created a, a platform where you can post SQL, Tableau, Power BI, Excel, and then also too, I think you can do other tools and just take screenshots, but they've developed a, um, a portfolio, analytics portfolio interface. Mm-hmm. So that's a really, really solid idea. Oh, and the big thing is that you can add in um, videos. So I, that's a really, really um, solid tactic to getting a job is if you can send a potential future employer of yours a video of you presenting findings that tells them so much about you. So number one, how do you communicate? Number two, they can see like how you think. They can see you actually in action, like analyzing data. So for sure, Hunter, I think go with the Maven analytics yeah. profile. Absolutely. Um, okay, so interesting point with the summary. So you just bullet pointed out three sentences. Why don't you just turn that into, um, just remove the bullets and just turn that into a small paragraph. I'm just going to make a note here. Yeah. So just make some notes. Okay. So minor in economics, high point, cumulative 3.7. That's a, that's a good GPA. So it's much higher than mine. (laughs) (laughs) I think I had a 3.0 in undergrad. I just, uh, I just partied too much. Um, (laughs) Okay. So one thing now that you, you're going to have more room now that you're um, like b- removing the bullet points, you'll have like two or three extra lines, uh-huh. um, add in more relevant coursework. Cause I know that you, like, you were required to do multiple Excel classes. I know that you're doing a SQL class right now. Yeah. So that, that'll just add in um, some value there. Um, so that, that's one thing that I think a lot of people miss as far as education goes. Uh, they just put their degree and then that's it. Um, and I, I guess in certain situations, like if you have a degree in history, of course, you're not going to have any relevant coursework. But if you get if you got a business degree or an analytics degree specifically, add in that relevant coursework um, and that'll just help, you know, boost the keywords for your resume. So you'll more likely pass an applicant tracking system if you're applying for a bigger company. But it also tells a much uh, richer story about like who you are um, just as a potential candidate for a job. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to zoom in on here. So experience, analytics, project manager. Would it help if I, uh, if I, if I zoomed in like this? Yeah, that helps too. Um, okay. So one thing that you are not doing, Hunter, is put the big win first. So um, like you, the, I guess the big win here for – the project manager is a 70 to 110,000 annually. Although maybe we should rephrase that as, you know, what is the average pay increase, which is what? $32,100. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So put that first. Um, although it's, it's cool that we can kind of flex on the podcast and say, Hey, this is, this is our outcome for our program, but what you're not, your manager is not going to care about the career services work you've done. They want to know the data. So I think you need to reframe this. Um, so the analytics project manager, so you were managing, you've managed what four cohorts now of working with a, a partner client. You've developed power BI. You've managed a team of like what, eight, 10 people. Yeah. So that's, that's the frame you need to go with. Not, 
you're you're like basically trying to sell my services, um, which is geared towards you know direct to consumer, like those who are trying to break into the space, versus you're essentially making a be- a business to business deal. So you are talking to an employer who's going to hire you um, to get a return on their business. Not, you know, you're not talking to the individual there. So right. just re- kind of reframe that. Yeah, so talk more about uh, team lead, team leadership. Just talk about like the analy- – like this, this is an analytics resume. Talk about the analytics work you've done, not the career services stuff. I mean the career services stuff is cool, and I think that's kind of the thing that you and I need to get square on is – um, just kind of like the header for your LinkedIn, like the hosting the ha- the podcast is cool, but I don't think it's value additive for an analytics manager. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, like we'll have, we can bring Katie on and she can give you, you know, direct analytics manager input on like how she sees it. So um, like, this doesn't have to be perfect, but you know, we're, we're kind of getting a little bit into the details here, but for those of you who are, who are listening um, I get this question often with my students of, you know, how do I build my resume if I don't have relevant work experience? Talk about the numbers that underlie all the work you're doing. Even if you're a teacher, you could say, I increase student grades by 13%. I did X amount of, you know, hours with students. So you want to quantify it and then talk about the numbers that underlie it. So essentially what you're doing is you're turning any job. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, um, you know, a teacher job or if it's a marketing job, you're talking, you're thinking about the numbers that underlie it and you're seeing it as an analyst. So Hunter, I I need you to take that same frame and apply it to your experiences here. Okay, absolutely. Uh, Kamara's got an interesting point. So he said, uh, sell your work, not the company you worked at. Yeah, yeah, so it's a nice little frame there. Yeah. All right. So the inventory manager and the concierge member, you could probably remove concierge member. Yeah. Imported daily. I was lives, thinking. I was actually thinking that improve the daily lives of. So I'm picturing you like essentially like being a bellhop. <laughs> Is that accurate? Oh uh, yeah. Not. <laughs> Not Did too, you have the little bell cap? Not too dissimilar. <laughs> not too dissimilar at all. <laughs> oh, concierge member. Yeah, honor. And the thing is, here, it's gonna. You're gonna have what a year workout, which I think is fine because they see that you just graduated college, so they're not like that. That's another thing too. Um, you can use education as a fill-in for like gaps in, in ex, like your experience. So uh-huh. if, if you've been unemployed for a while, going back and getting a degree is a viable option to kind of reset. Cause typically employers are not going to ask like, Oh, I see that you got this degree. Um, well, you know, what were you doing before that degree? It's kind of irrelevant. Cause you're like, well, I, I went and got this degree to retrain and build my skills up to change and pivot careers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would just remove. Um, I, well, I, I will say from a service capacity, I think it. I think concierge, uh, working for concierge, that if anything, if there's anything it did for me, it helped me uh, deal with people. I guess. Um, yeah. I, I think I think maybe I would remove most of the lines for it, but maybe just like leave one or two lines in there just to just to show that I was in fact working. Then, I don't know. I, I you know what I think you should do. 
Um, remove that and then add in the three different roles you had at Silvertone. Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. So you, you're you're not taking as much of um, you're not capitalizing on the the work the work experience you've had under me for the last two years. Right. Because like right now, analytics project manager that's really vague. Uh-huh. To where what you could do is break that into analytics intern. Um, you know, I would say business analyst as opposed to consultant. I think business analyst, especially if you're applying for full time jobs, like that's going to resonate more. And you could also say um, analytics technical trainer. But that's yeah. that's true. Make, so make the resume match LinkedIn pretty much. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay. So I feel like we're off to a good start with that. Um, and then because we'll, we'll just go through multiple iterations of this. Um, yeah. And then the, the big the big value add will be when we ha- have Katie on and she can give you some some specific advice. Yeah. And that at that point, I'll also be uh, probably mostly done with the SQL course that I was working that I've been working on. Um, and so maybe I, I could, we could talk about how to incorporate that into my resume as well. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So now let's jump into the Q and a section here. Uh, so Manish is asking, following on the last question, what if someone is not seeking for a specific analyst role, any, any analyst position would do to start out? Um, or is this not a good idea for a job search? Um, I think that's where most people fall in. Most people are, are like, I know that I'm not happy being a librarian or whatever job and they just want to, maybe they took a couple online courses and they're like, Oh, data seems really interesting. Um, If that's the case, I think targeting business analysts or data analyst is a good, that's a good term to target because these are really flexible definitions. So you might be, uh, a business analyst that works in sales on the sales team, or you might be a business analyst that works on the supply chain team and they're completely different experiences. So Manish, my, my experience would be if, if you don't know what specific role you want, um, target business analysts or data analysts. I think data analysts is the easiest job to get right now. Um, we're actually, we've, we've placed someone with no college degree in, in, a, in a data analyst role. So I think that's a little bit easier than business analysts, but the difference between business analysts and data analysts is that it's implied that it's a little bit more technical than business. So the business analyst, your main thing is focusing on the business acumen and like, how does sales work? How does marketing work? How does finance work? And then there's some um, data that underlies that to where a data analyst, you're more focusing on actually crunching the numbers and less so on the business side of things. Also, too, um, one kind of additional idea I've had is, I, I, I think this is the first time you and I have interacted, but you could go back and like audit, I don't know how extensive your work history is, but you could go back and say, you know, I worked in a sales job, I worked in a warehouse job, I really liked, um, you know, the operation side, like Hunter was saying. So you could reflect back on your work experience and how it's resonated with you to then come into some more specific titles. So um, one tactic we're doing with our students is to create separate resumes. So one is for you know a business or data analyst, and one is like supply chain analyst or marketing analyst. So that way you're, you're you are getting the broader umbrella, but you're also narrowing in on very specific terms. All right. So, Paula, I think this is a comment on Hunter, like your progression. So I agree with John David. 
Paul, this is Paul is saying, I have domain knowledge, but need to hone my technical analytics skills. I had an interview for a DA role for 80,000. Not bad for knowing nothing. See, Hunter, like they're these people who don't have like any technical skills are getting $80,000 a year. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say, I don't know, maybe Paul's well, being de- well, self deprecating a yeah. little bit for no, to know nothing. So why, why do you feel like, um, why, why 70,000? It's just the, it's just the age worry. It's the age worry. My, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that age is just a number. Haven't you heard? It is. <laughs> it is because I've been, I've been communicating with, I've been communicating with and teaching people that are older than me. And it, I don't, I don't want to come off as just like, I mean, I, I, you know, I've got that, you keep saying I have that young man energy and it's a good thing until, you know, the company you're trying to apply for starts looking at you like you're a young man. And then they're like, Oh, young man, young man salary. So I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking about there. Um, I, I think it's the energy you bring in. If you, if you bring in like, you know, if you come in meek and you're like, I'm just this little guy. I don't know much. Going, what's going on? Help me. If you're like no. Mor- Morty from Rick and Morty, of course you're going to get paid less. <laughs> do I, do I seem like Morty from Rick and Morty? Um, I feel like you've, you started off very much in the Morty camp and you've like, uh, you, you, you take up more space and you host meetings and yeah, you, I mean, you're definitely, you were never like Morty from Rick and Morty, but um you have you take up more space and you're more confident and you're more sure of yourself. And you, being part of that is like even when you're not sure of yourself, you say what you think. Oh, for sure. Confidently. Yeah. So a lot of that is just a head game. Yeah. Because like even if it weren't your age, it would be yeah. Well, I don't have SQL knowledge, or you know, I don't have business knowledge. Like that. That is just like your your own internal game that you've got to play. And what you're doing is you're essentially sorting yourself out of the candidate pool before they can even make a judgment call. I suppose. I suppose I am. Um, you, you don't seem convinced. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, I. Yes. Yeah. I probably am doing that. Um, it's just. It's just. I. I think for me, it's more of like uh, reflective, where I want to determine um, uh, what I am still lacking in. And go into the interview knowing more about that area, I suppose, so that if I'm asked a question related to that, I can I feel like I could answer it. We got Katie. We do have Katie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you've been like hiding away from her. No, no, I went to her. I went to her. I went to her call literally this week. <sighs> you've been hiding away from Katie. I'm All not right. Hiding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Paula was saying uh, she has skills in Excel and. SQL, Python, and Tableau, but um, I guess to follow up to that last comment, sh- she hasn't applied it yet. So Hunter, I mean, you've, you've done the work. You've applied the tool to, to build things out. I think you should feel more confident than you are. Okay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. So Jamie's got another question for us. How much do you alter your resume per apply? We kind of hit hit on that in um, the, the comment from Manish. I don't think it's a good idea to change it every single like that. That just slows down your overall, like the volume you can send out. I think it's a good idea to build out specific templates. Um, so like you can have a business analyst job or you can have like maybe 
two or three different versions of, well, I think Jamie, you said healthcare. So it could be clinical research analyst, you know, I don't know, payroll healthcare analyst. I, I, I'm not really, healthcare is not really the space that I've, I have a ton of knowledge in or HR analyst. And then you could have like four versions of your resume and you just um, go on LinkedIn jobs and search for, you know, save that search, uh, that specific job title. And then you can go and send that specific resume to it. Work with, uh, work with service-based data because health, healthcare is a service-based industry primarily. I'm sure they have, you know, med- medicine and whatnot, but um, yeah. What do you mean? Work with like work with like service based data like like uh, I don't know I, I'm trying to think of an example of, of... okay so well the, so the question is about um, the resume yeah how much but do you, you alter want, your you resume wanna, you want to incorporate your your portfolio and your resume though I feel like your portfolio and your resume are hand in hand oh I see what you're saying like customizing a portfolio for each one of the resumes customize a portfolio show feature the work for the company that you're applying for that's most relevant to them i suppose is what i'm saying okay she's actually got a question on portfolios hunter you have a portfolio when you're applying are your projects directed towards your specific niche industry i feel like we answered this question before we got to it yeah i literally just answered this question um i would i would if i'm applying to a company i would try to send them the most relevant uh work that i've done first do you um, understand the underlying thinking behind that? Uh, not necessarily. No, I just okay. To... So what? Ninety nine percent of the courses online do is they give you random data. So it's like Tom has six cherries and Penelope has four apples, and it's just like random data that's irrelevant. So where you can your portfolio will really stand out. If you have data, for example, if you want to be a sales analyst, if you can get your hands on some realistic or real Salesforce data and analyze that, because then it, it shows that you understand the KPI, so the key performance indicators that underlie it. So it shows that you have the full spectrum. Not only can you analyze the data and build out a portfolio, but you understand the game that's being played. So it's, it, it shows like a 360 degree view of, hey, this person is a much safer bet than you know, somebody who just has all this like random LinkedIn learning or Udemy data that's not specifically dialed into the job. Mm -hmm. And it also gives you an opportunity to like have a much more nuanced conversation in the interview. And you're speaking, um, you're speaking their language, like you're getting the the specific vernacular. Um, And I think that that's probably the biggest thing that you're going to be going up against Hunter is like having to learn a new business space. Yeah. So, so if you have a portfolio that is modeled after, you know, the realistic setting in whatever environment, it's going to help you quite a bit. Cool. So the question was, do you have a portfolio when you're applying? Are your projects directed towards? Yes. You want, you want a very specific niche down portfolio if possible. Now the data, especially in healthcare, it's going to be tricky because there's HIPAA laws. So like your that data I think is really dicey to get your hands on. Maybe you could get like I don't know C- CDC data, like broad, non-specific data. Um, but yeah, that's I think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for each individual um, industry. Mm-hmm. All right, so 
matter is saying, would it be useful to show my Excel projects I've done at my current job on LinkedIn or on my resume? Your thoughts? Um, have you signed an NDA? I feel like you can't. It, if you're doing work for a company, they're probably not going to want you to show the work you've done. Um, this this kind of gets into it's a bit of a moral gray area. Competitive intelligence. Well, I think one potential like step. I, I I like the intention, like showing the work that you've done, but the the risk that you run in that situation is that what if your um your company's competitor gets that data and then they use that to exploit some weakness within your company. So that's that's the risk that the um, employers are, are thinking about. Um, what you could do is like Frankenstein a similar data set that is modeled similar. So maybe it has the same columns and it's just random data and you can analyze it. So you could kind of craft that off of you know the work you're doing, but you can't. You I don't think you should post the work now. I mean that that's a hard no actually. Like that's <laughs> that might get you um, not only to lose your job, but there might be a lawsuit there. So it's kind of a data privacy. So don't do that. Um, all right. So here's another one. So Adele is asking, what if I'm looking forward, forward to inter, is interviewing business analytics, intertwining analytics with other disciplines, such as the, such as strategy and change management for their synergistic effect, especially if I have a solid experience in strategy and change management. Okay. So they're asking, uh, I suppose how to combine two industries into one, how to combine business and analytics with other industries. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had a lot of, um, podcast guests who, who, and their previous work experience, um, they were, they were working for one company. They started off doing one thing and then they ended up doing analytics work ultimately anyway. Um, I think a lot of a lot of uh, industries are like that, where you have to have a ba at least analytics literacy, data literacy. Um, I feel like Adele is just describing what business analytics is. Yeah, like you, like so. I'm seeing strategy and change management um, and data. That's essentially like what that's what I do. I'll go into a company's data, identify opportunities where they're underperforming. So maybe their sales are low. Or maybe they're they have a specific product that has a huge margin, but they're not promoting it, and they're promoting pr products that are I don't know losing them money. So I go in, study the data, give them business recommendations on how they can improve. Um, so Adele, it sounds like what you're describing is just being a business analyst. Um, this it's kind of a spectrum to where it's like you have data science on on this side, and the business analyst on the other side. Data science is like really really robust and like um, advanced math and coding and all this technical stuff. And the business analyst might be, Hey, I know, I know the, you know, the game that's being played here are the KPIs. Let's just drill down on one or two levels down into this and find an insight. Um, so yeah. So Adela, it sounds like you're, you're already there. Maybe what you should do if you've been working in change management um, and strategy, just go and learn um, the basics of, you know, data visualization. Um, I mean, a lot of these big four consulting firms or a lot of these like huge consulting firms are just using Excel to study data. So you might might not even have to get that deep into the technical acumen. 
So it sounds like you understand business strategy, and then it's just a matter of, of layering in data to drive those decisions, which I'm surprised they're not already doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like that's exactly what a business analyst role is. All right. So Manish was saying, thank you, John. I'm an accounting and financial professional. I'm more interested in the business analyst role. So yeah, so you could be a business analyst in the finance department. So you could be studying, you know, uh, financial returns to figure out, you know, like what maybe P&L statements, you know, like are, are there certain clients that we're losing money on or, you know, like how, how we can interface potentially like, I don't know, maybe like pricing strategy. That's actually something, Hunter, we've done in one of our consulting projects, right? Uh, uh, worked with pricing strategy. Yeah, we were looking at margin to determine that. Well, that's oh. that's the current inner. Yeah, yeah, that's essentially yeah. what we're doing right now. Right. All right. So, batter's asking, would it be useful to show my Excel projects I've done? Oh wait, yeah, wait, we just answered this one. Did that? Yeah, we just answered this. Weird. One. Oh, he asked it again. <laughs> I think. All right. Yeah, yeah. Bad, better your if you if you go back a little bit, we answered your question. Gotcha. All right. Also, when is the right time to start marketing yourself as a data analyst, business analyst? I have extensively used Excel for finance modeling and sales, inventory analysis. Now I'm learning SQL and Power BI. Hunter, what, what's your take on that? Um, I'd say right now is the time to start marketing yourself. That's exactly what I was going to say. A data analyst, BI analyst. Um, well, well, yeah, what's the holdup? Why, why, why are you waiting? If you want to do it, then you should start branding yourself immediately and start working on it right away. Well, okay. A, a potential holdup could be to play devil's advocate here is that you have an employer who really needs you or is, you know, you're not in a good place with your employer. So if all of a sudden you rebrand your LinkedIn and start posting about that, that could cause some friction. Another um, suggestion I have is to come and join us at the Silver Tone Analytics program. Um, that's true. We could, the only we reason could. I say that is because we had somebody who completely quit their job, was making no income, and we got them a job uh, making eighty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I don't know if I'd advise that. It's is not such necessarily. A, it's not necessarily. I'm not. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. My, my that 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 is such a high stakes <laughs> tactic, and it paid off. But if it didn't pay off, then that, I would be feeling really bad. <laughs> No, but but no. In all seriousness, though, if you're looking to pivot and you're you're having difficulty getting out of your current job, um, I would say just start doing personal projects first. Um, you, you know, do something that's that's relevant to the field that you're wanting to get into, and then feature that on your profile. So, Kamara, one of our students, is actually saying, um, "Manisha, it sounds like you're already a financial analyst, so just rebrand yourself that way." Yeah. And if you're in the finance space and you're interested about data. I mean, I'm sure if you're in the finance department, you're using Excel. So, I mean, you're, yeah. Come on, you're, you're, you're on the money right there. It sounds like he's already one. Okay, so Jamie had another question. What is the best way to show Excel projects besides pivot charts and tables? Um, interesting. I mean, I, I feel like there's a ton of different things you could do here. Um, well, number one, so if you go to the, the first, the first struggle with Excel and showing it is that it's like what you're not going to send the interviewer, Hey, here's an Excel workbook. So you need a platform. The Maven analytics platform is really solid for just number one, showing your work. Um, as far as Excel projects go, I mean, 
what we teach in our curriculum is pivot charts and then VLOOKUPs. And that's essentially you're combining data sets together and then you're building very simple, um, potentially interactive visualizations. Uh, it depends on like what work you want to be doing. I, we don't spend too much time on Excel because I think Power BI is just so much stronger than it is than, than Excel. But I know that a lot of organizations are not quite there as far as, you know, their, their technical stack. Um, a, a few other projects you could do is, um, I mean, we're doing this right now as an optimization model um, for a client. So you can figure out, okay, like maybe you're optimizing margin. There's a ton of different use cases within Excel. So you get into macros if you wanted to. Although I feel like the more that, that I talk about Excel, it's like, well, I think macros is just a, a less polished version of um, the transform tab in Power BI. Yeah, essentially. Um, Power, Power BI's Power Query Editor um, is, and its visualization capacity are both far superior to what Excel has to offer. Um, I would say that for data cleaning purposes, I like to go with Excel most of the time just because it's what I'm accustomed to. And a lot of businesses use it for sending over data and, and data cleaning and all that. Um, I, I would say for if you want to show off Excel projects, I, I think it's almost the best answer would be I wouldn't show it off in Excel. I would show it off in Power BI. Load up the data, load up the Excel data that you cleaned in Power BI. Uh, visualize it really effectively using using utilizing color effectively. Uh, make sure the UI is really clean, and then uh, upload that to a portfolio piece somewhere. Yeah. So I think that the advice we're giving might be it's hard because it's not a real time conversation. Because my yeah. first question would be to clarify this: like, well, first of all, why Excel? Um, maybe some more. It, like a different tangent we can go on in this advice is maybe reach out to somebody who has the job because I think you mentioned healthcare. Maybe reach out to somebody who has the healthcare analytics job that you want and see what kind of projects they're doing in Excel and see if you can recreate that. Cause yeah, it's kind of hard um, for us to tell like number one, it's like, we don't know what specific projects are relevant for the job you want. And then also what is the best way to do that? It's like, there's kind of levels here of uncertainty. All right. So Manish, absolutely. You can send us a DM on LinkedIn. Uh, you're welcome. I'm glad that we could give you some, um, some help on this. All right. And then, so Kamara was saying PDF re presentation or using PowerPoint to present your Excel project. Okay. Good point, Kamara. So what you could do is just, yeah, take a screenshot of it and put it into a, a PowerPoint presentation. Although, um, I don't know. It's funny because they're they're like analysts, purists, or gatekeepers who are like, "This is the worst thing in the world." You know, <laughs> like, how dare you put? They don't want to. Well, they don't want to take you out of the software because the software is what gives it the interactivity. Like, if you put it in a PDF, it's just like, all right, yeah, right. But if way. we're, um, yeah, if we're talking to someone who wants to build Excel projects, they're not going to be using that level of sophistication, right? Yeah, it's it's this question is kind of difficult to answer, Jamie, right. without more information. It's right. like there's we need a bunch more information to answer it correctly. There's a there's a number of different options for you, I guess, is the answer. Yeah, so feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. 
All right, so Rakesh is asked, is saying, I had 6.5 years of experience. And what is BPO? It's business process outsourcing. Okay, banking domain and looking for change of career into data analytics. Without Python or R, can I get a job? Absolutely. Um, this is the most, probably, this, it's funny, Ian had a viral post and he got so much controversy because um, he said, you don't need to know coding to get an analytics job. And then all, all the people who teach Python and R came in and just like, estimated them. they just, <laughs> they came with their pitchforks and they just like came in and they were outraged. So yeah, I, I you don't really need, uh, in fact, this is the advice that we're generally giving our students who do want to go into the data science realm. Eventually it's a solid idea to get a data analyst or business analyst role get some experience working with data and then while you're there get paid to start developing you know python or r and that it's very hard to go directly from you know some other industry or school directly into a data science role i I believe that most data science jobs um that you just need to know so much so it's i don't think there are a ton of junior data analyst jobs or data science jobs out there to where you can easily get well i mean easy it, it just it depends on your unique situation and, and all, a bunch of different factors. It is a much lower bar. Let me phrase it that way. It's a much lower bar to get a data analyst job. I mean, people are even getting data analyst jobs with no degree at all. Yeah. I mean, that's Ian. Ian got broke into the analytics space without a degree, which makes it his story that much more impressive. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. We've rattled on for an hour and 15 minutes. I think I have a meeting coming up that I got to right. prepare for. But Hunter, all right, so your assignment is get that resume cleaned up and continue to apply. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, will do. Yeah. So yeah, three months and we're going to get you a killer analytics job. That's right. It's <laughs> the name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody for uh, tuning in the live chat. Um, I, I've missed this. I haven't done these like live. It's it's kind of stressful like doing the the live like having to think on the spot while there are people watching, but I think it's uh, good though, because uh, people not, are getting quick stressful. value. It's not stressful for you and me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in everybody and Hunter. Thank you for uh, working on this. This is, this is going to be good. Yeah. All right. Can't wait. I'll see ya. See ya, everybody. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.